Have you ever felt that some Bible studies are too much? You know, they're too long, they're too deep, they're too serious, they're too theological, and yeah, maybe they're too boring. <laughs> well, we're going to try to remedy that with this podcast, the Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. We're going to take a close look at Scripture. We're going to look at the cellular base of what God was saying through His Word. But we're not going to make it too much of anything. We're going to try to make it just right for everything. If you have seen the movie, The Ten Commandments, with uh, Charlton Heston as Moses, then you certainly know something about Passover, because the director, Cecil B. DeMille, did a good job of showing how Passover was such an important part of what happened to the Israelites while they were in Egypt, and how that freed them from slavery to Pharaoh. But actually, there's a lot more to Passover than what we find in the movie. And so in this episode of Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study, we're going to take a deeper look into the origin of Passover, how Passover was celebrated during Jesus' day, kind of how it's celebrated today, And most importantly of all, we're going to ask the question, in all of this, in in all of Passover, where is Jesus? That's what this episode is all about. Of the... Feast of the Lord, uh, the the seven uh, appointed times is basically what these these things mean. The seven appointed times that God gave uh, the Israelites, the Jews, as times that they were to have an appointment together. You know, we talk about appointments. An appointment is a certain time, a certain place, and a certain thing that happens. You have a doctor's appointment. You have to be at the doctor's office at a certain time to do a certain thing. And so that's what these appointed times were, these feasts of the Lord. And there were seven of them. There's seven appointments, a certain time, a certain place, a certain thing that was to happen, a certain meeting together of God and his people uh, to commemorate and to remember certain things. And just as a real quick uh, review, there were seven of them. We talked about how seven is such an important number. It's God's number, as it were. Uh, in the Bible, and uh, the seven uh, the seven feasts or seven appointed times. And remember, we said there was a religious uh, a religious year and then a, a civil year. And uh, the the first uh, the first feast or appointed time in the religious year is Pentecost. And we talked about how there are seven feasts. Four of them are in the spring. And these four 
for us as Christians, these four help us to see Christ in his first coming. And those four are Passover is the first one, then un, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is the next day after after Passover, it begins, and then first fruits, which basically is two days after Passover, and uh, then the Feast of Weeks, uh, which is, we talk about, the, the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, is a, there are seven feasts, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is seven days, and the Feast of Weeks happens seven weeks times, is that right? Seven times seven, which is 49 days. Seven days times seven is 49 days. And on the next day, the 50th day, is the Feast of Weeks, or we we recognize it today as Pentecost. So those are all the spring feasts. And you see the number seven in all of those. And then the spring, and those all happen during the month of Nisan, which is in March April. Passover is on the 14th of Nisan. Unleavened bread is from the 15th to the 21st of Nisan. First fruits is on the 16th of Nisan. Uh, those, those three are in Nisan, and then weeks is, of course, 50 days later. Uh, the fall feast, the three are uh, the Feast of Trumpets, which is commonly called Rosh Hashanah, uh, and then Yom, Yom Kippur, during which is the Day of Atonement, and then the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, the Feast of Tabernacles is also a seven-day observance. All of those three occur in the seventh month of the year. Uh, the uh, Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of the new year for the civil year, and uh, they all happen, as I said, in the fall during the seventh month. So that's the overview of the seven feasts of the Lord or the appointed times. So now I want to go into like let's look at each one kind of individually and give them their own um, their their own uh, examination and uh, I want to do two things in each one of these I want to kind of see what the observance was like in the day of Jesus and or the Old Testament kind of how it was observed back then we might touch on how it's observed today. But then I also want us to see where is Jesus in these feasts? Because he is in all of them. He is represented. As we as Christians look at them, we can see how they point to him. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the Jewish people today don't see that. But as Christians, it just kind of hits you right in the face sometimes. And so we want to talk about that as well. So let's look at Passover. Passover, if you want to... Uh, look in your Bible. It's it's described in Exodus chapter 12, and I'm going to read that today. So it gives us our kind of context for what happened. And we all kind of know the story because let's face it, we've all seen uh, Charlton Heston, right, in the Ten Commandments, and 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 they do a really good job of talking about Passover and and, and the you know, those things that happened in Egypt, those plagues, uh, I think all of them were, would be bad. I don't know, for some reason, I think the one that would creep me out the most is the frogs. I just think the frogs would be the creepiest of all. But, um, <laughs> as only, yeah, uh, I, I've had them. I've, I've actually had those homemade, as a matter of fact. But anyway, uh they are, they are, they are tasty. Like they are tasty. Tastes like chicken, yeah. 
<laughs> so uh, I've actually had frog legs from frogs I actually gigged. They're called gig, gig frogs, you know, so those were... But I'm a, somewhat of a country boy for that kind of stuff. But anyway, so one thing to understand, too, is that the Passover... Every, Passover has been celebrated for 3,500 years, as we talked about last week. And there's only one Passover, and that was the first Passover. Every Passover since then, for 3,500 years, has been a commemoration of the first Passover, a memorial of what happened uh, back 3,500 years ago. And Passover is the oldest continually observed uh, religious feast or holiday in the world today. So it is basically the foundational uh, religious observance of the Jewish faith. Uh, then and now, it's it's the it's the thing that happened upon which all the other festivals and religious observances are built. So it is the foundational. Without Passover, you don't really have anything anything else after that. So that's how important it is uh, what happened and and what it meant to the the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. So let's look at it in uh, Exodus 12. It says. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. That's why we don't really know that it didn't have to be a sheep. It could be a goat. Year-old. I thought we just said that didn't have to happen. No, it didn't have to be the firstborn. A year old, but it didn't have to be a firstborn. Uh, Verse 6, take care of them until the 14th day of the month. So, so you you select the lamb or the goat on the tenth day, but you don't sacrifice them until the fourteenth day. So keep that in mind. Um, and uh, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight, then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Now notice, on the first Passover, there were only three elements of the meal. There was lamb, bitter herbs, and bread made without yeast, unleavened bread, or matzah, they would call it today. Today, in today's Jewish Seder meal, there are a lot more added. But everything's been added as, again, a memorial. They all It all symbolizes and and goes back to things, but but basically the the Passover that God gave to His people basically was just it's simple. It's it's lamb and matzah and bitter herbs. So, verse nine: Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roast it over fire, head, legs, and inner parts. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Well, uh, that was symbolic because he was going to get them out of there quickly. Uh, But um, 
Today, that is, they don't eat the Passover with haste. The Passover meal can take hours to complete. Uh, a lot of times, a Passover meal in the, in the Jewish, and even in the, times of, in the time of Jesus, if you remember, and we're going to talk about his Last Supper tonight, today too, hopefully, uh, that they started, remember, he washed their feet, and then they had the meal and went on and on. But by the time they left to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, it was late, right? It was late in the evening, probably, you know, close to midnight or so forth. And that's true today. A lot of the Passover meals that are celebrated today and observed today in Jewish homes don't end until midnight sometimes. So it's a, but, but, so they're supposed to eat with haste, but that, that was symbolic too, because God was going to do a thing quickly for them. Uh, verse 12, on that night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt, I am the Lord. The blood will be assigned for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate for generations to come. You, uh, for the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. Let's skip over to uh, verse 21. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the top and both sides of the doorframe. And I think I've said several times in here that basins, we kind of skip over that sometimes. But at the door, at the base of the door of these houses, there was a basin that was used to keep out water if it would rain. It wouldn't come into the house. It would be caught in the basin at the door, door stop, at the bottom of the door. Well, they slaughtered the sheep or the lamb uh, or the goat right in front of their door frame. So the blood from that, uh, uh, that animal went into that basin. It, it went into that basin. And then they took the hyssop and they put... They applied the blood from the basin to the side, the top and the side. So basically, they were completely, their door, their doors were completely surrounded with the blood, top, bottom, and sides. So sometimes we don't get that image that the blood was also at the bottom of the, of the door. Uh, not one of you shall go out uh, uh, the door of his house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe and will pass over that doorway. He will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. So the picture there is sometimes, you know, you get the idea of kind of uh, God's God or God's angel or whatever it was that was bringing the death, kind of seeing the blood and kind of skipping over, you know, oh, there's my house, I'm going to skip over that one. But really, when you look at the way this verse is written, the, the idea could be more that when that angel or whatever that being was that God sent to do that, that when they got to the houses with the blood, that God put his hand of protection over that house. And so when, when you know, it was there and saw the blood and, and God was actually protecting that home and that that angel or whatever passed over that house because God had his hand surrounding that home to protect it. Verse 24, obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants when you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. 
Then the people bowed down and worshiped. The Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. So there's the idea of the um, Passover. So just some hi- just hit some highlights uh, of that story. Um, the lamb was important. The lamb or the goat was central to what was happening. And it had to be a male, had to be unblemished, had to be about a year old, as we said. And here's the thing that sometimes we miss today. They had to get the the lamb or the goat on the 10th day and bring it home. But they didn't sacrifice it till the 14th day. Now, what happens in those four days when you have a lamb that you have to feed, you have to take care of for four days? before you can sacrifice it. What happens in those four days? You get attached to it. Yeah. You get attached to it. You sure do. Something could even happen to it. You have to get another one. <laughs> we, Jan and I often talk, we could never foster oh, no. a dog or a cat because we get it in our house. We want to keep it. So can you imagine, especially like for children too, especially, you know, you bring this lamb home on the 10th day and for four days, it doesn't become just a lamb. It becomes your lamb. So now when you have to sacrifice it on that 14th day, it's a lot more personal, isn't it? It's a lot more difficult. And, you know, God gave his son Jesus to be sacrificed. He loved you know, the love that, I mean, how you could do that, you know. Uh, Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac, you know, and we're, we're talking about a lamb here or, or a goat, but still it was just, it, it was a, it was a, it was for them to remember that this was, this was a costly sacrifice that uh, an innocent uh, sheep or goat was being sacrificed for their, uh, to allow them to, to be free. Uh, from the slavery in in Egypt, so this was uh, this was this did not come easily. It did not come free. It cost something. It cost the life of a lamb. And of course, you can see the symbolism for Jesus, right? The same thing for us. That it was a, it wasn't easy. It's not. It is free for us, but it's not free either, right? It cost Jesus uh, his his life for us to receive our freedom from sin as they receive their freedom from slavery in Egypt, our freedom from slavery to sin. So so what would happen then is, okay, on the they would sacrifice their, uh, their animal, and then they would apply the blood, like you talked about. And uh, it's important to realize that later on, uh, you know, and for much of their history, the, the Jewish people felt that they would be uh, saved and they will be saved because they're Jewish. But they weren't saved in the Passover because they were Jewish. They were saved in the Passover. Why? Follow the directions. Yeah. Of the they God. The, exactly. Yeah. The blood, right? If they as Jewish people did not sacrifice their uh, lamb and put the blood the way God had told them to do, they would have lost their firstborn too because they would have been disobedient to what God clearly told them to do. So it's the blood that saved them. It's the sacrifice of the lamb that saved them, not because of who they were or what they were. 
And to take that, to do that, it required faith too, right? You had to have faith that, you know, okay, I'm going to do this because God told me to do it. I'm going to be obedient. Um, but I'm also going to believe that he's going to keep us safe. Now, they've already been through all the other plagues, right? And God has done exactly what he said he was going to do. So, of course, they would believe that God's going to do this too. But still, to sacrifice a sheep or a goat and put the blood up there required them obedience and also faith. And we have the same kind of have to have the same kind of faith in our Passover lamb too, right? We have to believe that what God says about Christ, that what Jesus said about himself was true and accurate. We have to be obedient to his word. We have to have faith in the blood. We don't get saved because of who we are or what we do. We get saved because of what? The blood, right? So, right. yes. In the fifth verse, maybe where people got the idea that the lamb was the firstborn because he said that they killed the firstborn of people and the beasts. Yes, exactly. Good point. Very good point. Yes. Yeah, and and and. It says that the beast, that both the people and the beast, the animals, both the firstborn, will die. Yeah, that's that's also something we don't we don't. Uh, I'm glad you pointed that out, Chuck, because that's also what we kind of skip over is that animals were dying too in this. The firstborn animals were also dying. Um, and, and later on it says in, in, in Exodus that the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals are to be dedicated to the Lord, you know, as well. So, so, so let's look at the Passover during the time. So that was the original Passover. So let's look at the Passover as it was celebrated during Jesus' day. Um, people, Jews had to, the requirement was if you could get to Jerusalem, you should get to Jerusalem for Passover. It's one of only three religious, uh, of the seven uh, feasts that you really should have been in Jerusalem, Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. So this was one of them. And you could bring your own lamb to sacrifice or goat, or you could buy one when you got there from like the temple market. Remember how Jesus said, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> Cleared out the temple from So what it had become so what the, the the reason this became such a problem is because if you're in the business to sell lambs to pilgrims who are coming to Jerusalem for Passover to use for their sacrifices and you're selling these lambs to them and you as the priest are the one in charge of, they, you can't just bring your lamb. You have to get it examined first by the priest who says this lamb is okay or not okay. They don't take your word for it. You have to say, okay, here's my lamb. Is this acceptable for my sacrifice? It has to be, what? It has to be unblemished, right? And the right age and so forth. So you bring your lamb from home and you take it to the temple priest who is selling his own Okay, you get what I'm saying here? And they bring it and go, hmm, not good enough. What? No, no. And they would find excuses for the reason that you couldn't, you know. So eventually people just said, well, forget it. I'll just buy one when I get there, which is exactly what they wanted to have happen. But it was dishonest. And they were ripping people off, and they were priests. But anyway, so... You had to have. You still had to have a lamb or a goat. So, 
So was, there, was the sacrifice of the lamb at the temple part of the Passover feast? Yes, the the the, the sacrifice of the lamb happened at the temple, right? That's part of the Passover. Mm-hmm. Part of the Passover. In yeah. Addition and, to the meal. And also uses the meal. So that's what we're going to get into right now, Mike. You're always a step ahead of me. That's a, so. Yeah. No. No. Good. So. So. Let's just say one step back. One more thing is you couldn't have any leaven in your home during Passover. No, nothing with yeast. And so you would have to go through your home and you would have to get out any anything that was yeast. You had to get rid of it because you weren't allowed to have uh, that in your home during Passover or the Feast of Unleavened Bread either. And so uh, this would, and, and as it got on and on in, in, in homes even today, this is a big deal uh, Some in some homes. They, they make a big, like, searching and getting stuff out and that kind of thing. Uh, in some homes, um, they actually purposely put leaven into their, things with, with yeast into their home so they can take it out. Uh, but what, what they do now is, sometimes, not everyone, but sometimes what they do is, they have a neighbor who's not Jewish. And so they take all their cereal out and their bread or whatever, and they either give it to the neighbor to hold, or they might sell it to the neighbor and then buy it back afterwards. But most people don't throw it all away, or they they budget their you know groceries so when it gets to be time, they're running low or running out. So, uh, But anyway, you're not allowed to have it. You're not allowed to have it because... Uh, you know, yeast, uh, they, they were told to have unleavened bread because they didn't have time for the bread to rise. They had to get going. But also now we know that yeast is, is kind of the symbolism for sin as well, right? And so no no yeast, for no leaven no for no sin. So now the lamb, you, you took the lamb to the temple and the lamb was sacrificed in the temple. And I brought this here. I'll pass it around. This is where the temple is. And you'll see in the court of the priests, there's a tethering place where they would be, the lambs would be tethered. There's a slaughtering place. And then there's the altar. So what would happen is that the the blood from the sacrificial lamb, uh, the, the sacrifice could be performed by any Levite, basically. It didn't have to be a priest uh, per se or uh, or another or some other layman but the blood of the sacrifice had to be caught by a priest so you sacrifice the lamb the, the blood of the lamb had to be caught by a priest in a uh, in in a uh, cup and the cup was rounded on the bottom because the idea was you weren't supposed to set the cup down yours because you know obviously blood can't sit, sit around, right? But what happened is there were, there, were, there were two rows of priests from the slaughtering place that you'll see there to the altar. And it's kind of the idea of, remember in those uh, old movies and things, movies of old times, where you had a fire and they would have the buckets and, and, and they would pass a bucket from the well or the pump and each person, and then they, the buckets would go back and get filled, the empty buckets get filled up again, and they, this is the way they did the blood. So you'll see there, there was some distance between the slaughtering place and the altar. So there were two rows of priests along the way, and they each held these cups. 
And when your, your lamb was sacrificed, the priest would catch it in the cup and pass it to the next priest, pass it to the next priest, pass to where to the altar. Then that priest would put the blood, sprinkle the blood on the altar for you. And then the empty cup would come back on the next row down until then. So it was this like assembly line kind of thing of cups of blood going back and forth. We're talking thousands of people. What? We're talking thousands of people. Yes. Well, and they did it in stages. You know, they didn't do them all at one time. There was like in the morning, you know, so it would go. But yeah, that was the way they they did it. Mm -hmm. It was it was a big job. It was a long day. Yeah. So. And a lot of blood. Right. Yeah, but they saw all that blood. We don't see it. Right. Right. They were more familiar with it than we are, yeah. Well, it just gives me an impression that there is a great, great sacrifice, how great Christ sacrifice because it was his blood. Amen. Amen. But they, it was very graphic to them. Yes, absolutely. And we clean it up. Yes. So once your lamb was sacrificed, it was hung on hooks, and then it was skinned and cut open. And the uh, innards were taken and burnt on the altar. And then the remaining lamb that was left after that, you were given to take home. And you would take it home and you would roast it on a spit. Remember, he said it has to be roasted by fire. Now, here's an interesting thing. The spit had to be made out of pomegranate wood. That was a requirement, pomegranate wood. I remember Mike Owen talked about pomegranates and how important they were and he his belief i remember it clearly and i have a hard time arguing with him about it is that uh the fruit that adam and eve partook of was a pomegranate because we don't because pomegranates are all in the temple and all in the the you know the, uh, the everything all through and in the art in the way they made the the different things and had to be roasted on pomegranate. So pomegranate has an importance in the Bible, uh, and I like them, but um, they're too much. They're too hard. To me, oh, they're delicious. Fresh pomegranate. I mean, right there. They're delicious, but to me, pomegranates are the chicken legs of the fruit world. It's like it's a lot of time and effort to get a little, a little return. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're delicious over there. Now, also, no bones could be broken either during the sacrifice or the cooking or the eating. No bones could be broken on that uh, lamb. The lamb uh, had to be eaten that night only. There could be no leftovers. If there were leftovers, you had to burn them the next day. Uh, and everyone had to eat a piece of the lamb. Uh, you couldn't say, you know, I don't really like lamb. You had to at least eat a piece as large as an olive. Had to eat at least that much, at least one biteful. That's kind of how I feel about our New Year's Day tradition, I told you before, is we have every New Year's Day, we have to have corned beef and cabbage. 
that's kind of the way I feel about cabbage. It's like, well, I have to eat it because it's a tradition, but just give me one biteful. That's really all I cared. Well, every year I do the same thing. I take the bowl and go, well, you didn't eat your cabbage. <laughs> Surprise. So if you didn't like lamb, you still had to eat at least a, a piece of size of an olive. And uh, before eating the lamb, this benediction was recited. They would say, Blessed be thou, the eternal, our God, the King of the world, who has sanctified us by the command, by thy commands and has ordained that we should eat the Passover. So that was the Passover. The first one, that was the Passover as observed at, in, in Jesus' day. Now, in AD 70, you scholars will tell me, what significant thing happened in 70 AD? The temple was destroyed, right? So the sacrifices of Passover of the lamb had to be done at the temple, in the temple. It was required. So when there's no more temple, there's what? No more sacrifices, no more lambs, no more Passovers with a sacrificial lamb uh, being killed. And so it's been it's been replaced now with the Seder meal, and has come through uh, through history to what is now celebrated called the Seder meal. And uh, now they have special food and special songs and special things that they do to commemorate it, but without the sacrifice of the lamb. So we have a video here, and uh, I'm going to ask Mike to play it. Um, actually, before you do that, Mike, let me, do yep. let me just read this real quick, and then we'll look at this, uh, this thing. This is called, uh, it says, this is a book called The Feast of the Lord that I got a long time ago. It says, by all biblical accounts, the lamb was the core requisite for Passover. It was the centerpiece of all that was accomplished. If there was no lamb, there would be no deliverance. So central was the lamb to Passover observance so central was the lamb to the Passover observance that the term the Passover came to be used interchangeably of the lamb as well as the holiday. One could not exist without the other. The lamb embodied the holiday, and without it, the holiday was meaningless. In all, God required three symbolic foods to be eaten on um, Passover night, the lamb, the matzah, unleavened bread, and bitter herbs. The sacrifice was to be a young lamb depicting innocence. It was to be roasted with fire, portraying the judgment that would befall it instead of the firstborn. Uh, matzah, unleavened bread, was to be eaten, symbolizing the purity of the sacrifice, since leaven with its souring characteristic was often a symbol of sin. Bitter herbs were eaten as a reminder of the suffering of the lamb, although bitter herbs could also be the suffering of the people in slavery uh, in Egypt, the the, the the, the, the bitter life that they led for 430 years uh, while they were enslaved in um, in Egypt. That's kind of what the bitter herbs also come to mean. So anyway, so that with this is a little uh, video. Uh, the person who's talking is named uh, Zola Levitt. Dennis uh, told me about him. Uh, so thank you, Dennis, for doing that. He is been a teacher for many years millions and millions and millions of people have seen his used to be videos now it's online but he's going to tell us a little bit about the uh way passover is observed uh one important thing about passover we're going to talk about this because 
We talk about where is Jesus in all of this. Well, we all know now about Passover lamb and blood and sacrifice and all of that. But there's something that goes on during the um, observance of Passover and the Seder meal, even today, that is so on point with this is Jesus that we just it's just kind of shocking. So uh, I wanted to do that. So let's go ahead and play that, and then we'll talk about it. Good evening, I can tell you. And, uh, at the end of this, this meal, the last thing eaten is that hidden afakomen. You remember the piece of bread we broke last week? We took the middle piece out of this bag, broke it, wrapped it up in a white cloth, hid it away. Father now brings it forth again, gets it out of its hiding place. And this piece of bread... And the third cup of wine, the cup of redemption, is the Lord's Supper. It's not like it, it is it. It's the original. It's uh, uh, the communion, the Eucharist, uh, whatever you want to call it. This red and this particular wine. You See, I, I told you, you can see the whole service, you'll, you'll, you'll appreciate it better. So this is, uh, this is how it comes out of the service. And let me say a few words about the bread and the wine. Uh, we can pick up Jesus doing this in the gospel, uh, Matthew 26, 26. It says, as they were eating, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to them, said, take, eat, this is my body. Now, what did he say in that blessing? Well, the blessing over bread had been the same for 1,500 years. Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who bringest forth bread from the earth. And so... Uh, there was a prophecy in that blessing. Men don't worry if they try to put my body in the earth this week. This bread is my body, but God brings forth bread from the earth. You can't bury a kernel of wheat. Uh, something comes up again. When he said this bread is my body, it's not just a metaphor. The bread is unleavened. It's pure, like his body. It has stripes. You have to grill it. By his stripes are we healed. And it's pierced with holes, like a pie crust is pierced. You can see right through it. He said, I am the bread of life. He was born in Bethlehem, Beit Lechem, house of bread. He was buried on the festival called Unleavened Bread. This is the only picture we have of our Lord. And we get our salvation simply like this. His body's broken for us. We partake of it. And we ingest that quality of rising forth from the earth. That's the wonderful piece of bread that we hid away. It was the middle of the three. If it's the Trinity, then that whole ceremony was performed with the body of the Son. So this, what he was showing there, that piece of matzah, it's called, the, today it's called the afikomen. And what happens during the Passover service is there are three pieces of matzah. And they're put into a, a thing, a piece of fabric with pockets. One, two, three, they're separated out. And um, it's unleavened bread. And what happens is today when they when they celebrate Passover meal, they take the middle matzah, the middle one, 
and they break it. And they put part of the broken piece into a linen napkin, and they, they hide it. They, they put it away somewhere in probably a dark closet or something. And then they take the piece that's left, and during the, the Seder meal, now they have not only bitter herbs, which is like based on like horseradish, but they also have a, a sweet thing that's like apples and cinnamon and things like that. And what they do is during the Passover service, they take that middle masa that they've broken, that they haven't hidden away, and they dip it in both the bitter herbs and in the sweet, and they eat it. And you can imagine this is like hot, sweet. You ever had anything like the uh, uh, you know, Chinese is uh, hot and sweet? Uh, I love the hot, sweet uh, soup. But, um, uh, you know, it's this, it's this hot but sweet. And the idea is there is how the hot was the, the bitter of their 400 years, and yet the sweet is how they were set free by the Passover. By the Passover. So it's this dichotomy of, of bitterness and yet the sweetness of salvation. And uh, so then they get to the very end of the Passover meal, the very end. And um, in Jesus' day, uh, when they were doing the Passover, the last thing they would do, and there's there's four cups uh, in the uh, four cups in the Passover meal that they take of wine. And they would get to the end, and this would be where the third cup would be partaken of. And at, just before they would drink that third cup, which is the cup of redemption, they would eat the lamb. That would be the very last thing they would eat. So the last thing you eat as part of your Passover meal is the lamb. Why? Because it's the culmination it's the climax, you know, when you see something on TV, uh, the top 10 list or something, they save number one to the last, right? Or you're watching a TV show, some competition. They don't tell you who's going to win at the beginning, right? You wait till the very end to find out who's the winner. They always put a commercial in there before. I don't like that. But anyway, you just sit through a commercial. But the same way with this is that the last thing, this is in Jesus' day, the last thing you would eat, the final thing, because it was the culmination, it was the most, the most important part of the Passover meal was the lamb. That would be the last thing you would partake of. And then you would have the cup of redemption. The cup of redemption was to represent the redemption of uh, the people from uh, Egypt and slavery. And that cup of redemption was to basically represent the blood of the lamb, the blood of the Passover lamb. That's the cup of redemption, what redemption means. So, uh, but today there's no Passover lamb, right? So. Today, what happens is, just before you take that third cup, the cup of redemption, the children in the, uh, at the table, if there are children, uh, will go and find the afikomen. Now, interestingly, afikomen is a Greek word, not a Hebrew word. It's the only word in the entire Haggadah. Haggadah is like the book of instruction that you have to follow every single year. You know, it's kind of like we have Christmas Eve services here. Well, sometimes a Christmas Eve service changes from one to another, but we always, Christmas Eve is about the birth of Christ, right? But we can do it different ways as long as we arrive at the end where it's celebrating the birth of Christ. But not in, you can't do that with 
the Seder or the Passover meal. It has to be done the same way every single year. So you have this Haggadah that tells you how to follow it. So anyway, uh, now that there's no Passover lamb, they all oh, so say, so in all of the Haggadah, everything in it is Hebrew. All the language is Hebrew. All the prayers are Hebrew. Everything is Hebrew except the Afikoman. It's Greek. The one word is Greek. What does it mean? Well, it depends. No one really knows. Let's put it that way. Uh, it could mean dessert. It could mean like it's the last thing you eat. Or it could mean, some people say, it means I came. So whatever it means, uh, the children go and get it. They bring it back to the table, and the head of the table gives the children a gift to get the afikoman back from them. He redeems it. He gives them something to get it from them. So let's think about this for a minute. So far, it's the middle matzah, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. It's the middle, Son. Uh, it is broken. It has stripes and it has holes pierced. Uh, it is wrapped in linen. It is hidden away. It's buried. It stays there for a while, and then it is resurrected. And in the act of that, there is an act of redemption that happens. Okay. So now you bring that out, and now the Jewish people have been instructed from like the 1500s that this afikoman replaces the lamb. So now the afikoman is the last thing they eat. They break it, they share it, and they eat it. And then they have the cup of redemption, the cup of the blood of the lamb. Now, why is that interesting? Because in Jesus' Last Supper, he did something shocking. And we don't often appreciate how shocking it was. So turn over to John 13. We're going to look at that here in a minute. So Jesus is, the, the last supper was a Passover meal, right? It was a Passover meal. There was a lamb that was roasted. And they go through the Passover meal, and they had the three pieces of masa. And during the Passover meal, Jesus takes that middle matzah and he breaks it. And he, this is not the time where he says, this is my body. This is earlier in the, the, the Passover meal. But he takes that middle matzah and he breaks it. And he, what does he do with it? Well, let's look, look at uh, John uh, 13, verse 21. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at, at a loss to know which one of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, no, that was John, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to his disciple and said, ask him which one it means. Uh, so leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? <clears throat> Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. What dish? He's dipping it into the bitter herbs. He's taking that middle piece of matzah, he broke it, he's taking the piece that he has, he's dipping it into the bitter herbs, and, he's, and it says, then dipping the piece 
of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. What you're about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him, but no one's the middle, and then he left. So Jesus and that Passover meal takes that middle monster, breaks it, dips it into, remember they dip it today. He dipped it into those bitter herbs and gave it to Judas who took it, and then Satan entered into him. Okay, so that's one thing. So he still has part of the matzah left, right? The middle piece of matzah Jesus does. So now they get to the end of the uh, Passover meal, the Last Supper, and they partake of the lamb like they always do, like they always have. Now that should be the end of it. They should then have the third cup of redemption and sing their final songs and go out. It should be over. But not that night. That night Jesus does something shocking. That night... Jesus took that leftover matzah from that middle one that they hadn't eaten yet. And that's when he said, this is my body that is given for you. And he broke it and he handed it to them and said, do this in remembrance of me. What's he saying? He's saying now there's something more important than the lamb, Passover lamb. There's something that takes precedence and priority over that from now on. It's no longer about the Passover lamb now. It's about me and my blood and my body. That's taking the place of the Passover lamb. That's of more importance now. And then after they partook of that um, matzah at the end, that last one, he said, this is my body that's given for you. Then he took the cup, the cup of what? Redemption. The cup that symbolized the blood of the lamb now represents my blood. And this is, he says, this is God's new covenant sealed with my blood. This is something new, my body, my blood. Now I am the sacrificial lamb for you. And they were, I'm sure they didn't know exactly how to even deal with that. But it's interesting. So when we have communion, that's what we're commemorating, right? Jesus' blood and body and the sacrifice that he made. And they don't even know it. But when the Jewish people celebrate their Passover, they are doing the exact same thing. They're taking that last matzah at the end that's replacing the Passover lamb they no longer can sacrifice, and they're having it with the cup of redemption. And isn't it interesting that no one made them do it? They decided to do that themselves. But it's the poetry of God, isn't it? That we're all, Christians and Jews are all doing the same thing. We just understand it differently for what it means. And we understand it differently because Jesus instituted it at the Last Supper and it blew their minds and it should still blow our minds today. So, <laughs> so that's it for Passover. I, I, um, I, I love it. Next week, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, before we get started, about they're trying to bring back the sacrificial lamb at Passover in in Israel. Some people are today. I find it very interesting. We'll spend a little bit of time on that next week. Dennis. Uh, one comment. Uh, in the uh, lamb selection, it wasn't just that they were to love and be with this little lamb, but it was a time for watching. Exactly. Watching to make sure the lamb was going to be okay. When Jesus came... And he was uh, into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Uh, it wasn't until Thursday that he was sacrificed. And he was teaching, 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 changing people's, hopefully, their hearts. 
but it, it was also a time of examination to make sure that this new lamb was going to be perfect still uh, during all of this. So it was a time for Jesus' examination as well as the Lamb of God. So. Exactly right. He, Palm Sunday comes in on Sunday, Jerusalem, four days, fits perfectly. That those four days that, that the people of uh, Jerusalem, of Israel, had a chance to examine him, just as they examined their Passover lamb during Passover. They were now examining Jesus, who would become the Passover lamb. And it was four days and four days, again, the poetry of God, uh, just just. It's amazing. It's when it all when you really get down and look into the granular cellular part of what the word says and understand it, you can't just stand back and be amazed that, well, of course it was done now. <laughs> but but you don't get the whole appreciation. And when you do get the whole appreciation, it blows your mind. This is my goodness, God really knows what he's doing, you know. Yeah. So you your faith and Yes. When you discover something like that that you hadn't put together before, it just makes you want to search for more things that you've missed. And you want to go tell other people, too. Did you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, you can do that. <laughs> That's it for me, guys. That concludes this episode of Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. I pray that you've learned something new about the Lord today, and He's given you some new insight into who He is and how much He loves you. Remember, the eternal God is our refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. May in that refuge today and those everlasting arms, you find the provision that you need, the protection that you need, the power that you need, and through those, the peace that you need. Remember, he said, my peace I give you, peace be with you. Shalom.